Hey, hey, welcome back to She Leads, period. Um, And today, I'm just really excited about this topic, very passionate about it, actually. Um, And we're going to be talking about some girl, please, like, please own your greatness. Please make a statement in the earth. Please lead like you were called to. And those words never meant more to me during a time when I was an up and coming entrepreneur and me and my husband had just launched our construction company. Okay. Um, And if you know, When you think construction, most of you went instantly to someone in a hard hat and some work boots. You were not thinking that a woman would be involved in construction. And that's the reason why I'm very passionate about this particular episode. I'm passionate about all of them, (laughs) but this one's near and dear to me. So I'll never forget the time, again, starting the construction company, right? And all of a sudden, we are up for this big contract. They want us to be able to come in and remodel um, an apartment building, had selected six units that they wanted our company to rehab, gut, start to finish, drywall, plumbing, electrical, okay? We're going to gut these units and do a whole... um, capital project for them. Well, when we walked into the business meeting and it was in the beautiful city of Orange County, (laughs) just to give you some uh, geographical uh, background. And when I walked into the meeting, um, there's the property manager that is there. She is female, which is a common role for property managers. Um, They're usually female, not always, but it's high dominant role. Um, And the rest were all males. And so when I walked in, they asked me, was I a part of the cleaning crew company? Did I represent the company that was going to do the janitorial, um, which was the main cleanup? So when the investors who were investing into the property, when they were coming to look at what was done, I had to be a part of the cleanup crew. And I knew instantly they did that because I was a woman. Um, When I said, no, I'm here representing Wilder Construction. And I'll never forget the gentleman uh, with his beard and mustache and glasses kind of took his glasses off and was like, oh, well, we're going to wait for the owner. And I kind of looked around in the room like, okay, I mean, you know something I don't know. I'm the owner. (laughs) Me and my husband are co-CEO. There's no hierarchy there. Um, I'm here to negotiate the contract. This is my expertise. Um, I know we've done the measurements. I've looked at the scope of work. I can relay uh, the schedule, the payment schedule, the construction schedule start to finish. This is what we do. And he was taken back the entire time. And that's when I realized that girl, please, you better own and come to this table and work the room. Okay. Do not shrug back because he made you feel like you didn't belong there. And it was at that moment, I took the opportunity to not just wow them, but to push myself because again, this was a million dollar project and I could have had an attitude. I could have blown it. I could have been intimidated because it was about 10 of us all together in the room. And that's when I said, no, I've done this. I've earned the right to be here. I'm, I know my stuff. Uh, My construction company can handle it. Clearly we have receipts to prove that we belong here at the table. And at the end of it, literally all of them just 
you know, begin to applaud me. And that kind of made me mad low key um, because I was like, so what you were not expecting me to know my stuff all because I was what a woman. I was a woman in a male dominated industry, which is construction. And that just took me out because I was like, girl, please. And then I looked at the property manager and they were talking all over her, um, kind of taking over the conversation. And I literally, after I had to give her one of those cis pep talks, like, listen, you know your property better than anybody. Don't you dare let somebody come in just because they feel like you need to stay in a woman's place and be able to be the admin. They had her taking notes in the meeting, like you're the secretary, you're not the secretary. No, you are the manager of an amazing asset that brings in millions of dollars for their investor. You need to own your value, own your title, own the position that you are in. So girl, please, please, if you hear nothing out of this episode, I want to challenge you to set the bar higher for yourself and challenge those around you to set the bar higher for what they expect from you. And so we don't shrink back just because of our gender or our race or um, what people think about us, the background or social economic background. None of those things define you. If you earned it, you went to school for it, you mastered it, that's your expertise. Girl, please show up and take the lead and own the room and show them what you're made of. So we're going to get into this because as you can see, I'm again, super duper passionate because when I tell you, when I walked out of the room, I was like, yes, I have literally blown their minds and they will think twice when a woman steps to the table. And I kind of felt like I was paving the way for somebody else who was coming behind me. And I'm not knocking the janitorial industry. I'm not knocking the property management industry. But when we are women that are going into these male dominated industries, we have to kind of have tougher skin than others. So girl, please show up with the tough skin. Don't let them bully you into thinking you have too much attitude. That's a lot that we hear even in corporate America. Um, especially if you are a woman of color, right there. That's another layer of the stereotype, but we ain't got time for that today. But with the pay and our expertise and what we offer at the table, we are often questioned our ability to lead, right? That's what's questioned. Can you get the job done? And the main thing they say is women are too emotional. They can't handle the crisis. They're going to break down. They are not tough enough um, to handle the weight, the pressure that comes with deadlines and things at that level. And here's the thing. That's the biggest lie that we've all believed And I'm saying all believe because it wouldn't have been able to just go down from generation to generation if we didn't all buy into that myth. So I'm going to give you some numbers because sometimes, you know, just people would just be talking. I want you to really understand. So I'm going to break down some occupation groups and I'm going to show you how we have these male dominated industries. We have these women dominated industries and where some of you might need to kind of really exercise your strength and just go ahead and break through and break out. 
So when you're looking at a hairstylist, cosmetologist, shout out to all my girls who are out there making it, okay, in a multi-billion dollar industry, hair, skin care, uh, makeup, nails, all of those things, y'all are out there killing the game. But it is an 80% dominated woman industry, right? So we can high five each other. We really don't feel the pushback um, when it comes to that. Not saying that there aren't levels because there are, but it's 80% women. So we're already showing up there. Registered nurses are very high up there too. So shout out to all my caregivers who are out there doing it, showing up at the Kaiser Permanente and the big hospitals, you know, um, taking care and assisting doctors. Now, when we start getting to some of the creatives, um, graphic designers, we're only showing up in the industry by 33%. Now, these numbers are coming from the United States Census Bureau, and the report came out in March of 2022. So this is fresh data, okay? And they gave us a range over the past 12 months. So we're still, even though we are just as creative, right? We have the eye for angles and looks and filters and fashion, but we're only representing 30%, 33% of the industry. The rest are dominated by our counterparts, which are our male counterparts, okay? So that's an area that I know, I see it on social media. These women are killing the game, but because it's male dominated, they're probably not gonna be paid as, as fair. They're not gonna be respected for their craft or they're gonna be pushed to the assistant role, And girl, please, please do not let people force you into a role of assistant when you were called to lead, when you have the skill set to lead, when you have the talent to lead. All right. So, again, I just want to give you the numbers. I want to give you the numbers. So here's the thing. Software developers. This is huge for me because we use apps every single day day of our life. I mean, I have an app for everything. I think I have a diet app, a food app, a meal prep app, a workout app, a Bible app. I mean, all of those things. And we are definitely consumer, um, the consumer statistics. We are the primary consumers when it comes to our male counterparts. I don't have the number, so I'm not going to give you percentage, but we are the top consumers as it relates to our male counterparts. But in software development, we represent 22%. Now, ladies, girl, please, for all of you out there, my tech girls, my girls who code, Those who love those X's and O's, whatever they mean, we need you to show up and show up strong. And guess what? Girl, please reach back and grab some other sisters, grab some other friends and show us the way because we know we're the consumer. So we're downloading the apps. We're purchasing from the apps. They are actually developing apps based off of our purchase power. So we're giving them the insight, the analytics, the data that they're going to use to create these apps so we can just shop. No, ma'am. Mm-mm. Girl, please listen. We need some more software developers because 22 percent is not nearly enough when we have the genius to do it. This one took me out, though. This one took me out um, only because it's a little personal um, because I'm not only an international motivational speaker. Um, I also have a ministry called Promise Life where we help disciple women in all walks of life, whether you're mom, whatever. OK, in the clergy space, 
y'all not ready for this. In the clergy space, women make up from 15 to 17%. That is sad. That means we are not being recognized or we're not being official. Uh, when we go to start our ministries, we're not going through all the proper channels to make ourselves where the IRS recognizes us as ministers, right? We get to file the taxes for the nonprofit. I mean, I, on my social media alone, see women all day, every day, killing the game. I mean, Melinda Pullings, Sarah Jakes. I mean, you have some amazing women, Christine Kane, um, my personal friend, Becca Greenwood. I mean, these women are doing it. They travel international all the time, but yet we only make up 17, 15 to 17% of that number. What's happening? Well, what's happening is we only, um, are seeing males successful in these roles, right? It's called the good old boys club. We've known it, we've seen it, and we've remained silent. But in this podcast, this episode, I want to challenge you. Let's start the girls club, right? Let's turn around and say, listen, I've learned how to code. I know how to make apps. This is how we're going to do this. Let's band together, right? And launch the girls club where we are reaching back and helping one another. Girl, please reach back. Don't you dare Go and get to your millionaire status. Don't you dare get to the level of influence or get the intelligence and the intellect that you need to actually dominate in these fields that are heavy on the male side and not. How the boys club work is once they've mastered it, even if they're friend, does friend, family member, whoever they are, even if they are not on the same skill level, listen, they will open the door for them and they will mentor them in that role until they are successful. But there are statistics for this, ladies. You're not alone. So if you're like, oh my God, that's so true. Or you're on the other end of that saying, I wish somebody would help me. I'm having to do it all by myself. Can we like change the stereotype? Can we like defy the odds? And girl, please reach back and get somebody and mentor them. If you do anything, if you are an artist, a creative, a builder, a construction worker, own something, I don't care what it is, reach back and make sure you are pulling someone up and mentoring them so that we don't have to keep fighting this fight because this gender gap issue has been a problem since the beginning of time, right? So I told you a little bit about the occupations. Now let's talk about the earnings. Because when we show up, when you think of teacher, most of you are going to think female, right? The reason why it is female mostly is because of the pay scales. Teachers are not paid enough. It is not because they're not valued, but because it started off as a women, a woman dominated industry. Back in the day, men were not teachers. When it first started, that was the woman's job to teach the kids to read and write. And we will give them a stipend and build the, uh, build the little schoolhouse. But that was it. Nowadays, we're fighting for that. But the real issue is that no one is valuing the worth of a woman, including the woman, including us. That's why I said we're all guilty of it. Um, this is probably why. Actually, I know this is why I started my own business because I was like, I don't want to rely on anybody paying me. <laughs> I want to pay myself. And so this was started my entrepreneurial journey. That might not be for everybody, but it's definitely something to kind of step back and look at what you really want to do. And if we actually create this cycle of mentorship, we can erase the gender gap on our own, right? 
We can start businesses and hire women and pay them what they're worth. We can mentor other women and create platforms that are women owned that we can showcase, right? We can showcase our talent, our skills, our abilities, our inventions, right? The science and STEMs are heavily male dominated. It's time for us to show up there and be able to mentor. So in the census, this is from 2020, but the census came out uh, March of 2022. They said the earnings of men, right, are on medium, which means the medium household income is $61,417. Depending on where you live, that could be a lot or that could not be a lot. If you're on in New York, <laughs> probably not so much. If you're in California, depending on where you live, not so much. But that's not a bad medium income for a male, um, the earnings of our male counterparts. Now, here's the number for the earnings of women. Same industry, okay? They measured this apples for apples, oranges for oranges, okay? They're making $50,982. That's a 16% difference. And this is 2020. Ladies, listen, girl, please. (laughs) Do you see these numbers? 16%. We make 16% less. Now, studies have shown that women have to work harder to earn promotions. Women have to go the extra mile because usually they're um, having to fit kids in that schedule. Or if they're married, they're actually having to fit that family dynamics also into their schedule where the males, when they did the survey, that wasn't necessarily their issue. Even if they were married, they kind of defaulted that role to the to their wife. Um, and so we see this struggle among women and that 16 percent gender gap is horrible, um, especially because 80 percent of women file head of household. So think about it. You're raising a family. You are are you're doing it on your own. Maybe you don't have um, your, your kids yet, but you're doing it on your own. Eighty percent of women file head of household, but we're making 16 percent less than men and we're more than likely doing more of the work. This is why we have to create these systems and these strategies of mentorship, pulling people along, um, the cattiness, the the walls that they have built up for us to make us comparing each other. We fight for the attention of the male. Um, let's talk about that because I'm feeling this all in my Holy Ghost. Listen, we just going to go, this this ain't in my notes. This ain't in my notes, but let me go here. We fight for the attention of the male. That's even the male boss, right? So we will undermine each other on at work during our careers. Why? Because the male boss, we want to be the shining star in the eye of the male boss. And they have turned us um, to being so much competition with each other that nobody gets advanced. And guess what? They're not going to promote you or her. They're going to promote their friend who doesn't even have a degree or is not as qualified as you are. But because the boys club, whether they like them or not, they're going to respect and honor that code. There's an honor among them. And ladies, girls, ladies, women, please, let's develop this honor system among each other. So if we see somebody remotely having the, the grind, the discipline, the determination to make it happen, Hey, sis, come in. Let me show you how to really get it done because there is enough money on the table. There's enough money on the table. There's enough companies to work for. And if you don't like the company you work for, you for sure are smart enough and intelligent enough to start your own daggone company. Um, Be the competition. We don't have to wait to be invited. 
to the table. You see these quotes all the time. Don't wait to be invited to the table. Build your own table. But then who are you inviting at your table that you build? Like we can't repeat that cycle of nobody invited me, so I'm not inviting nobody. Uh Uh-uh. Girl, please. If we're going to break this, we have to have this honor code like the boys club has the honor code. Honor code. I mean, it's there. So that 16% is where we see that. Now think about that. That's with children. A lot of these women have children. That's child care. That's all of that um, that you have to fight for. So how do we, how do you know when to ask for more? How are we going to break this cycle when you are at work? Now that we know what's happening, we know what they're doing. And Again, this subject came up with one of my She Leads um, mentorship because I mentor 30 ladies a month um, and we just go through everything from life to career, ministry, spiritual development, all of that. And she literally had this issue going on at work where her boss would come to her for special projects and she would complete these special projects. I mean, the boss would shine to his bosses and she was making him look really, really great for all the partners. Um, I can't, I don't want to say where she worked because, you know, I just don't want to do that to her. But, um, and so her boss came again asking for another special project, but he denied her promotion the month prior. And so I told her, listen, let's lever- leverage these special projects because at the end of the day, he likes looking good. So you're going to leverage his desire to promote himself for your own gain. And I know that might sound bad, but it's not. It's the name of the game, Right. And so my explanation to her of how she was going to approach and ask for her promotion that she was absolutely due was to leverage the special project that he wanted completed. It's almost like the carrot in front of the horse. If you want the carrot, you're going to have to come and get it. And so she I told her, I said, listen, take that and say, hey, I can complete this special project, but I want to set up a meeting right now that we can talk about ways on how I can promote in this company because I noticed that you passed up the promotion last time. I said, that's the way to have the tough conversation when the guard is down. You don't want to have the tough conversation when they're like, well, no, we're in the middle of budget cuts. That might be true, but you're asking for special projects. That means the money is being dispersed somewhere. So the money is there, right? So you're going to leverage your skills, your assets, what you bring to the table, and you're going to leverage that for the needs of the company and be able to go in and say, hey, this is what I can do. This is what I've been doing. I want to sit down and I want you to give me the itemized list on what I need to do to promote. And can we circle back around after I feel like I've completed this list? Can we circle back around and talk about the promotion? You want to get them to commit to the conversation and you want to ask them out specifically. And I always tell people, follow that up with an email um, because oftentimes they're bypassing you and human resource doesn't even know that they're bypassing you, right? All of the people, their upper bosses think that, oh, everything's great. No one really knows that you're being overlooked. So don't think that it's company-wide. It might just be specifically that particular boss or, you know, if you do put it in writing, honey, trust me, that definitely makes things a little bit different. And so she did, she went, she leveraged it and she was able to tell her boss, like, I can do the special project for you. At the end, he told her, he said, listen, I actually didn't give you the promotion because I know that that job requires, um, a lot of like vaccine work, a lot of overtime, a lot of that. And, she had mentioned to him that she wanted to make more money for her freedom. And he was able to tell her about some up and coming positions that nobody else 
had privy to at that time because she actually took the risk. She took a risk to put herself out there and say, listen, I'm not going to keep allowing you to keep using me for these special projects. Obviously, you know, I'm good and you know, I'm good at what I do. So that created a conversation. Now she was able to kind of remove this stereotype or remove whatever wall she thought was in place. And now her, you know, um, roadmap to success has been broadened because now her and her supervisor have come to an understanding. And I told her, keep me posted. I just want to hear about it. So those are some of the ways, ladies, that we can leverage our expertise. We keep giving stuff away. That's the nurturer in us as women. We give it all away and we expect people to vicariously or by osmosis appreciate us. And because Think about it. When you're growing up, when your mom made dinner, you really didn't say thank you, you know, unless you know you was going to get in trouble for not saying thank you. It was automatic. You kind of felt like, especially when I had teenagers, I'll never forget. All my teenage kids have said this. That's your job. Like, that's your job to pay the bills, mom. That's your job to buy us Jordans. That's your job. And I was like, actually, no, it's not my job. I do it because I love y'all. But that's just because, you know, I've always done it. And it's because it's there. I didn't demand a value on it until they start becoming a teenager and I had to take things away. So people are actually treating you the way you're allowing them to. If you're not showcasing your value, then they're not going to value you. If you allow them to keep taking and there's no boundary set, there's no um, condition put on it. In the career space, when it comes to making your money, you absolutely can put a condition. I'm not saying in relationships, but when it comes to your expertise and what you're worth, absolutely there should be conditions and provisos put in place on who you are, right? You don't just give it away. No, that's not what we do here, Mm -mm. especially for those who are in the coaching industry. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When people say they want to go to lunch, we know what that means. You want to pick my brain for free. No, I'm going to make you value my time, my expertise, my knowledge, no matter what level of the game that you're on. So I want to talk about how there's some blockers, there's some habits, there's some behaviors, ladies, that is causing this number to be so real and so true. Because if you think about it, when you applied for that job, you were so excited about that salary. We applied for the job. We saw the numbers. We never asked the questions. I challenge you during the interview to say, hey, what um, is the base? What's the average pay rate for this position? And when they tell you that, say, well, do you have anyone currently in the position? Um, Are they above that number? Are they below that number? And what would it take for me? Obviously, they can't tell you their salary, but you want to gauge, you know, where you're coming in at and do your research. All of that stuff is out there online. They have to report that stuff and you can come in with your own number. They give you a range. Oh, you can make between 45,000 and 56,000. Well, guess what? I did the research and Jimmy is making 56,000. I want 56,000, right? So here's some of the patterns though. Some of the habits, because we kind of, we've kind of built in and, and, and reinforced this bad behavior and this gender gap can be closed. I'm not saying eradicated by our actions alone, there's other issues in there. There's some race, racial things. There's some social and economic, but definitely I want to focus on the things that we can address. So um, one of the, the, I'll give you 10. There's, there's about 12. Um, that's one of the, my favorite authors. 
she began, she wrote this book of how women rise. And so Sally Helginson, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. I will say that again. Sally Helginson, an amazing book. And she gives us 10, 10 habits that hold women leaders back. Okay. She gives us 12, but I'm going to give you 10. Okay. And it is called one reluctant to claim your achievements, reluctance to claim your achievements. And again, I'm quoting my girl, Sally Helginson, and it's her book, a collab, um, production. It's called How Women Rise. I recommend it to everyone. Please go get this book. Um, I have it. I read it once a year. I have books that I read once a year just so that I can resharpen myself and recalibrate myself. And this is one of them. Um, And so her first one is the habits that hold women leaders back is the reluctancy to claim your achievements. We don't want to do it. We say things like someone will come to like, oh, my God, you did amazing. You nailed that presentation or you that conference you um, planned was amazing. Your career choice, the college, you graduate, whatever space you are. And, you know, what we say, oh, my gosh, no, it was a team effort. No, it was I couldn't have done it without the, this. And we start deferring. Right deferring the accolades. I'm not saying be selfish, but I'm saying if someone says good job to you, own it. Girl, please own it. Own your greatness. Yes, I thank you. How about just that? We ain't have to do the explanation. Why are we afraid to say thank you? Like, it's almost like a curse word. If I say you did a great job, you showed up and showed out, girl, you did your thing. Well, it was all everybody might just want to think. No, how about thank you? Just instead. Just sit in that, right? Sit in that. Some of you are cringing now. Like, I never thought it could be that simple. I don't owe you an explanation. I don't have to spread out and and give you a reason why things went on and not take credit for my leadership. Yeah, the team did it, but I put the team together. The team did it, but I was the one orchestrating and holding everybody accountable. I did that. Number two is expecting others to spontaneously notice and reward your contributions. This one hit me like a sucker punch in the stomach because we want people to spontaneously recognize and applaud us. This is why some of us will not even post what we're doing or showcase what we're doing because we want people to just know that we're out there grinding. We just want people to know that we're out there building. We just want people to know that we're intelligent. Now, no. Mm-mm. So there was a time um, Sally gives an example in the book that there was two nonprofit CEOs that came together for a collaboration and the um, newspaper article interviewed both of them. The woman leader of the nonprofit begins to give her accolades to all oh, the teamwork. Oh, me and him work so well together. But when they interviewed the male, he owned it. He said, oh, yeah, you know, and this is what I do. And this is my routine in the morning. And this is how I get my staff together. And she was hurt that he did not shine the light on her. Well, you want people to spontaneously recognize you. You need to own your own greatness before anyone else will. Right. So let's not wait for that. Overvaluing expertise. Now I'm going to pause 
not because I have nothing to say, (laughs) but I want you to really think about that. Some of you haven't even started because you feel like you are not good enough yet. We're overvaluing expertise. Like I'm not about to start Tamara. I got to finish my degree. I don't know enough. I got to do this. I don't have all that together. And here's the thing. Half of the people that you love and that you follow and that you repost and share, they are in process right? They're on the road to greatness. They're on the road to that. I value someone's consistency and determination over their expertise any day. I'm sorry. And so because we overvalue it, if we are not perfect, we won't pursue. And I want to break that off of you. Like that's, that's not where you're supposed to be. That's not the mindset you're supposed to have. If it's not perfect, if I don't have all my ducks in a row, I won't launch. I won't do. I won't show up. I will keep deferring it, right, to future. I'm going to, I'm going to, no, 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 girl, please, please own it. Please, please launch it. Please start it. You're overvaluing what you think you need to start. It's not about perfection. It's about purpose. And I need you to do that. Number four, she has just building rather than building and leveraging relationships. This is what I was talking about earlier. I'm going to read it again. Just building rather than building and leveraging relationships. This is how we're going to close that gender gap. If I know and I have 10 women in my sphere of influence that can do the job and I make it, why would I not leverage those relationships? I didn't say use. I didn't say steal, copy. I said leverage. What that would look like is, hey, I've now, case in point, give you a real example. Now that I have had frequent trips to the continent of Africa, um, I have met multimillionaires. I have met a billionaire before. And I don't, you know, stock them. I'm not asking them for money. But when I come to the table, I'm saying, hey, how can we collaborate? Because we have the same goals, the same passions, right? The same objectives. We want to change the world. How can we do that together? That's called leveraging your relationships. And most of us are either too scared or too nervous to ask because we know how it could be perceived. But if you're genuine and you're consistent, people can judge your heart and your character. And if you're bringing stuff to the table, not just trying to take, it's okay to leverage those relationships. Again, keyword, leverage. You're going to bring something to the table and it's going to balance out and both are going to collaborate and contribute. I didn't say take or steal or just look for the come up. Number five, failing to enlist allies from day one. This is huge, especially of those who are my boss babes that are in the boardrooms, in the C-suites, in the corporate rooms. You got to know who's on your team and make them buy in. Like, are we are we on each other's team or not? I don't need people in my camp who's going to take my ideas and now get a promotion or now try to leverage and take it and start something else and put it before the boss or whatever and make themselves great. So we need to start uh, um, rallying allies, um, people who are on your team. You need to um, I'm trying to think of the word to use without saying it like it's like I'm telling you to like uh, make people choose sides. I'm not telling you to make people choose sides, but you want to know who's. The Bible says it this way. Know those who labor among you. I need to know, are we down for each other or not? Do we have the common goal or not? And if you're not an ally, then you really are an enemy to my purpose. 
right? You're going to block it some kind of way. Either you're going to be slowful, sluggish. You're not going to take it as serious. You're not going to care about it. You're not going to be as passionate about it. So you need to rally your allies when you're building your team and when you're walking into those places, okay? So number six, putting your job before your career. Ooh-wee, ladies, this is us. We will work ourselves to the bone for that job. And some of us have stayed at jobs too long. We've overstayed, right? Just like you can overstay in a relationship. You can overstay in a job. You can overstay in a position um, to where now when it's time to actually promote and move, you've missed opportunities because you were trying to be get dedicated to the job and not the career. So if your career is C-suite and you are looking to be a partner in a law firm and the law firm that you're working at right now is small, it's okay to leverage and go to a bigger law firm. You're still serving the community that you wanted to serve, but you are focused on the career because the position comes influence with the influence you're able to make bigger and greater change right so we should not be so focused on the job the task more than we are our career and women we just we get a hold of something and we're like bulldogs and we will hold on to that thing till the wheels fall off hence all my hairstylists y'all too you guys are committed to the job and not the career you've been doing hair for 20 years and you don't own your own shop I'm going to pause. We didn't cut off. Our sound works very well. It's because you were committed to the job and not the career. Now, not everybody's meant to own their own shop, but why don't you start a mentorship group with hairstylists? Why don't you do tutorials? Why don't you have hair care product? There's so many things that you can do because clearly you're passionate about hair, right? So we can be married to our job or the task, even as entrepreneurs. And so we should always look at ways to duplicate ourselves. And number seven, I am very guilty of this one, the perfection trap. We got to have it perfected. It has to be spot on before we launch it, before we do it, before we own it. It has to be perfected. And we will work countless hours at the job over and above waiting for perfection. And here's the news flash. You will never be perfect. Um, Give it your best. Give it your all. Dot your I's and cross your T's. But you know, sleep at night knowing you're not perfect, but you have purpose, right? So number eight, and we're almost done, the disease to please. The disease to please. It is a disease because you want to please everybody. And if you're going to level up, if we're going to defy the odds, if we're going to close this gender gap, not everybody's going to be pleased with your success. Not everyone's going to be pleased with your passion to thrive. They're just not. And it's okay that they're not. You just can't dumb yourself down so that they'll be okay with it. Okay. So everybody's not going to be on board. So if you're, you want everyone to applaud you, that's the first thing you need to break off of you right now. You need to look yourself in the mirror, go home. If you're driving, if you're in the bathtub, when you get out, look in the mirror and say, you don't own them anything. You don't owe them anything. Okay. You can thrive and pursue all of your dreams and all of your goals unapologetically. And they might not like it and they might be upset. I've heard it. You bougie, you acting different. Who you think you are? You think you better than us. I don't. Those are all things that you think I think, and I can't control what you think. But do you think I'm going to stop so that you can be pleased? Absolutely not. So the disease to please stop it. People on your team, 
Some people are going to leave your team because they really want to be you. Yep. Fact check. They really want to be you. They want your they want your influence. They want your um, spot and your efforts, minimizing your capabilities and your capacity. Some of us ladies, this gender gap exists because we have minimized our own capacity. We feel like because we have a family, we shouldn't take certain jobs. That's limiting your capacity. God built you in a way where we can multitask. We can handle all of it. We are built to be able to handle that. Hence, we can have children, right? Um, if our body and our womb can stretch to 10 centimeters and snap back into place, um, you know, for the most part, <laughs> and we can move on. We were built to carry those types of loads, but some of us minimize our capacity because we've been told you shouldn't, you can't, it might not. No, I don't have to compromise my career. I have four amazing children, two beautiful grandchildren, and I'm out here doing it because my capacity can handle it. I'm not going to minimize what I can handle because of my gender. My husband doesn't have to do it. He doesn't even, that's not even a thought in his mind, right? He's the dad and my husband is an amazing father. He walks our kids to school. I mean, he's hands on. He won cheer awards as cheer dad. He's doing it, but it never crossed his mind that he couldn't start his businesses and do the things he wanted to do because he had kids. We minimize our capacity as women and the culture has minimized it. So mm -mm, girl, please, girl, please, let's go. Number 10 is too much. When we think it's too much. That overwhelming feeling of I'm going to fail. It might be too much. Can I handle it? And here's the thing you never know until you step out. And that's when you re-strategize. That's when you try to figure out other ways. Those are just 10. She has 12 in her book of what hold women leaders back. And I really want you to reflect. You might have to watch or listen. I'm saying watch like we're recording on TV. Huh? Soon and coming soon. You will have to listen to this podcast again, possibly over and over just to kind of listen to those 10 that I gave you. And I really want you to reflect. I want you to think about where your vulnerability is, because in a world of social media, we definitely like to highlight all of the amazing things we're doing. And sometimes we start believing our own lies and I'm calling them lies, not saying that you're lying on social media. Some of you are um, not all of us. Right. But you start believing your own hype. Right. Like, oh, OK, yeah, I'm doing it. People are. Cope. Oh, my God, you're so great. This is awesome. Da, da, da. And you just start believing that and you will never grow. If you're not vulnerable with yourself. So I want you to reflect and think about where are some areas that I really need to grow in. I need to challenge myself. I need to challenge my team. I need to challenge my staff. I need to challenge my um, daughter who's growing up, my, my niece. Who do I need to challenge? What, what do I need to do? Am I reluctant to, to my own accomplishments? Do I default? Right. Do I defer to somebody else when someone tries to applaud me? Am I having issues with overvaluing expertise and I'm never starting? Is that me? Is this holding me back in any area of my life? Right. I want you to reflect on that because, girl, please take the lead in self-evaluating yourself, we don't want to wait for people to tell us who we are. That's the problem. We've been waiting and having people prescribe to us who we are. Most women, you got attitude. You're emotional. You can't handle it. You're the weaker one. You're this, you're that. And we have 
just accepted these. But if you do your own self-evaluation, if you're self-aware, now you can take action. Right now, you can start putting it to areas in your life and really holding your own self accountable. So I'm no longer going to dumb myself down when they tell me good job. I am not going to start deferring to everybody else. I'm going to simply say thank you and I'm going to own it. I'm not going to overvalue expertise. I'm going to launch it. I'm going to do it. And guess what? If I if it does go south, I've learned what not to do. Right. You have to have that mindset. I want you to take a moment and reflect. I mean, really, really, really focus on that because, again, like I told you, I read this book once a year because at every stage you're going to have to self-evaluate. You might make it to the C-suite and you need to reevaluate. You might make it to owning your own multi-million dollar company and then you need to reevaluate every year. We're not above self-awareness. You never arrive and then it's just it. You're always growing. And so with that, Once you're reflecting, and I know some of my mentees are listening to that, and we'll give you more information and episodes to come on how to join the membership. She leads a mentorship group, okay? But I want you to reflect, and I want you to go ahead and give me the shout out, comment, tag me um, on your social media post. And just say, that's me. That resonated with me, Tamara. Like, I am. I didn't realize it, but I am reluctant to own in my own greatness. Um, I didn't realize it, Tamara, but I'm valuing expertise over my own passion to do something. That's me. I minimize everything, Tamara. That's, I couldn't believe. I didn't have the language for it. But yeah, that's me. And I want you to tell me what you're going to change, right? I want to be a part of that journey with you. What are you going to do different, right? Are you going to say thank you? Are you going to, Uh, create some affirmations to remind you what is going to be your response to that thing inside of you that's holding you back what are those what are you going to tell those 12 habits those 10 habits that you have that are holding you back so tag me again my Instagram handle social media handles are Tamara Ellison inspires okay again that's Tamara Ellison inspires that's on Facebook and Instagram and actually TikTok. I believe I have TikTok now. So (laughs) you can go on and tag me in the video. I just want to hear your story. That's me and how you're going to change it. Because guess what? Your story is going to help somebody else get the courage to change their story. So again, the hashtag is going to be that's hashtag that's me. And that's how I'm going to follow you. Make sure you tag me as well in the post. And I want this to be the norm. This is the girls club. We're starting it. We are mentoring each other through being vulnerable, through sharing life experience and sharing how we plan on getting up out of this, how we plan on minimizing the gender gap. And it starts with us, ladies. So girl, please show up to the table, show up strong, show up owning your greatness. 